So I think it's a little bit funny that uh, I have an opening planned and we switched the order of those announcements. So I talked about elders and the next question I have for you is, what's the greatest fight you've ever seen? But that really is the question that I want to ask you. Because if you're, uh, if you're my age, I know several things that might come to mind. For me, this is one of them. Ali Frazier, right? They, they fought three times. It was an amazing rivalry. If you remember, if you were actually alive back then, and, and many of you were not, you remember that you couldn't see these fights live, right? You had to wait for them to come on television on what? The wide world of sports. And it would be like eight weeks after it happened, you would be watching it. That's what we had to put up with in the 70s. How about this one? Fight of a different kind. Rocky against Drago, right? Now, I don't know if you thought these were great fights, but here's what I know. This series of movies has grossed $1.4 billion, so they were definitely great fights for Sylvester Stallone, okay? And then, really, if we're talking about fights, I mean, what list of fights would be complete without a nod to WrestleMania, right? So we got Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, right? So that's from WrestleMania 3. Now, those of you that are, like, probably under 50 uh, know Andre the Giant more for his role in Princess Bride than his wrestling career, and uh, that's probably a good thing, to be, to be honest with you. Um, but we are going to talk about fighting this morning. Really, what, what happens in this letter to, to the Colossians is Paul, throughout the letter, is fighting against these false teachers, this false idea. And especially in this passage that we're going to look at this morning, uh, verses 16 to 23 of chapter 2, it's all about the false teachers. He really defines what they're teaching, and then he fights very hard against that because he knows what's at stake. Now, before we get to that passage in 16 to 23, I want to remind you that verse 15 actually ends by saying, Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities and triumphed over them by the cross. And that really ends a section where he's telling the Colossians that, that this Christianity is about a relationship between us and Jesus Christ that, that we can have if we accept the work that Christ did on the cross by faith. Paul's been talking about that for a couple of chapters, and, and then he, he continues, and he, he really then begins verse 16 with the word, therefore. And he says, based on all that we've been talking about, based on all that I've been writing to you in this letter, now let me tell you how you should live, and in particular, how you should live in the midst of these false teachers. That, you see, the Colossians were in danger of following them, or some of them may have been following them, we're not 100% certain. Joe actually last week started us down this path of understanding these false teachers when he said, if you remember, that the Colossians began to feel like they needed an outward sign, remember that, an outward sign to show that they were in a right relationship with Jesus. He talked about that sign being circumcision. And, and, and the truth is we all have this tendency to look at, at outside behaviors to judge what's happening inside. The truth is all religions really have this issue. They have this problem because we can't look at a person or look at their behaviors and know the, ish, the, 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 the stature, the nature of their heart. We, we can't know it. And, and Christianity certainly has that same problem. We can't look at a person or even their behaviors and know if they have a right relationship with Jesus or not. It, it's impossible. And so as, as a result of that, here's what happens. There's a natural pull to measure, it's a really important word, to measure a person's relationship with Jesus, even my own relationship with him, based on outward behaviors. 
Now, I know that because over and over and over again, Paul has to address this issue. He, he addresses it here with the Colossians. He addresses it with the Ephesians. He, he addresses it when he writes a letter to the Galatians. He addresses it in two letters that he writes to the Corinthians. Over and over again, he has to address this issue of wanting to, to look at exteriors to judge what's happening spiritually, internally. I also know it because in the religions of the, of the, that existed in the Bible and in the religions that exist today, we still have this tendency. There is a tendency to create rules behaviors, a list of rights and wrongs of do's and don'ts. That's because we have this pull to measure a person's relationship with God, in our case with Jesus, by externals. But the, the problem is uh, that often those are designed to help someone grow. They're to help someone be mature, but they don't always, in fact, seldom do they result in that. When Paul discussed this letter, I'm sorry, this idea in this letter, and really in all of his letters, he just said something that was very straightforward, very clear. You've heard us talk about it over and over again. Outward behaviors can never lead to a right relationship with Jesus. We've been talking about that for four or five weeks because Paul's been talking about it for two chapters. And he talks about it throughout his letters to other churches as well. So what I'd like to do this morning is just give you some of the major tenets of this false teaching that we find in these verses. Rather than going verse by verse, I'm just going to say, hey, this is what we can learn about this false teaching based on these verses. First of all, there was a major emphasis on rules, particularly on external rules. There was also an emphasis on a thing called asceticism. Asceticism is defined as the practice of strict self-denial as a measure, there's that word again, of personal and especially spiritual discipline. It was rigorous abstention from self-indulgence or pleasure. There was a major focus on that. And so as we look at these uh, verses and as we really look at some other uh, extra biblical sources to try to discover what exactly were, what were these false teachers teaching, here's what we discover about this teaching. Several things. It was focused on outside visible behaviors. Kind of already mentioned that. It, it included harsh treatment of the body. That's that idea of asceticism in a variety of ways. It made people feel inferior or judged. The, the Colossians were feeling judged because they weren't eating the right thing or drinking the right thing or doing the right thing, keeping certain days of the calendar. They, were judged, they felt judged for a variety of reasons. It contained some element of angel worship or interaction with angels. We're not really sure, to be honest with you, exactly what was being taught, but we know because of the, the wording Paul used, there was some allusion to angels. And then it highlighted a false humility as a virtue. Like, that was really, really important. But Paul makes really clear that this, this, uh, this humility was, it was, it was fake. It was false. It, it wasn't genuine. And Paul really calls this teaching, he just calls this teaching man-made. And, he, and by that simple phrase, he's just showing it's not of God. It's not something that, that the Colossians really should be following or paying attention to. Those that were propagating this teaching were, were really saying, uh, hey, we, we've gained this insight, this, this special knowledge, this special ability really to hear from God or understand things about God that normal people can't understand. And the Colossians then were drawn to that, and it seems as though they began to listen to these teachers, or perhaps some of them even wanted to become like these teachers, and so they were in danger of following uh, this false teaching. 
that, that contain these tenets. And, and, and so now that we have this understanding, you know, what was Paul's response to this teaching? Well, it's, it's really interesting because Paul's very direct, again, when he's fighting against this. He just, he basically says, it's not true, don't listen to it. And then he points the Colossians to the truth. And really, if you, if you read Paul's letters to other churches, that was his method. He, he, he was very clear in saying, don't do that, but do this because this is, what, this is what Jesus has taught us. He always pointed people to the truth, not just his opinion or, or his desire or even his experience, but always to the truth of what the Holy Spirit was revealing to him. So Paul starts out by saying to the Colossians, don't let anyone judge you based on what you eat or, or, or what you drink or, or whether or not you keep these certain days of the calendar or not. Don't, don't let them convince you that you're guilty of anything because, again, he says, these are made-up rules. They're unimportant. And so Paul's reading, reason for fighting against it so, so strongly, really, was he just knew the trap that the, the Colossians could find themselves in. How much is enough? And, and, and if you do these rules, you're going to have to do more rules, and they don't have any benefit. So Paul was really telling the Colossians, Jesus is greater than rules. Jesus is greater than rules. He calls these rules a shadow of things to come. And really he's saying Jesus came and he eliminated the need for these rules. So stop worrying about them. Stop trying to follow them. Then he goes on to say to the, to the folks that uh, really are, are in danger of following these teachers. I mean, look, he says, look at these teachers. They're, they're putting themselves on this pedestal and they're saying, we're more humble than you. We're more spiritual than you. We're certainly more mature than you. We're, we're more in tune with God than you. We, again, have these special abilities that, that you don't have. Maybe if you work hard, maybe if you do these things long enough, you could attain the level that we have. That seems to be what was happening to the Colossians. And so many of them, it seems like, were trying to, to follow that, and they wanted that. They wanted to be like these teachers. They certainly wanted to listen to those teachers. And Paul makes really clear, we don't put our faith in any teacher we put our faith in Jesus. He is who we follow. We don't follow anyone else. And, and elsewhere, Paul even talks about, don't follow me. And he says in, in Corinthians, uh, you know, that we can, he says, some, some say, I, I follow Paul, and I follow Apollos. And Paul basically says, that's hogwash. Don't do it. We follow Jesus. He alone is the one in which we put our, in whom we put our faith, right? And so he's saying by, by those things, He's telling the Colossians, Jesus is greater than any teacher. Any teacher, doesn't matter what that teacher's saying, Jesus is always greater. And then it also seems like the false teachers were saying that, and this is where the angel worship comes in, and it's an interesting, it's kind of a fascinating portion of scripture, and the reason I'm not reading through it is because it's, it's, a, it's difficult to understand. Several words are found in this passage that aren't found anywhere else in the New Testament. So there's a lot of dialogue about exactly what they mean. But what we do know is that somehow these teachers were saying, hey, we've got the key to unlock some spiritual mysteries, and, and we'll share those mysteries with you. And again, Paul was very clear when he says to the Colossians, Jesus is greater than any visions, any insight. We don't need those, is what Paul's saying. You, he's saying to the Colossians, don't need those. We have Jesus. 
We don't need any more special revelation. And so as we've talked through these things, this is really what Paul is saying. Jesus is greater than rules, than teachers, and than visions. He's greater than all those things. All the things that often religion kind of adds to, right? We kind of add these things up. There's, there's at times we can say, well, this teacher's right and that teacher's wrong. I'm going to follow this teacher. Or this person seems to have some special insight. I'm going to listen to her or to him. Paul's saying, that's not, tr- that's not right. Follow Jesus. He's greater than all these things. Here's what I'll, I'll tell you as I looked at this passage at first. It's easy to look at a passage like this and say, you know, I'm not really concerned about following a certain teacher more than another. I mean, I, I don't feel like I need special visions or insight, this idea of angel worship. You know, I just don't think it's really applicable to me. It's not relevant. But here's what I'll say. If we take a moment and look really at the issue or issues that Paul was dealing with, rather than the specific tenets of this false teaching, I think we'll find out that it's actually quite valuable for us today, this morning, right now. As I said, we have this tendency, right? We have this tendency to look at outward behaviors, to judge what's happening internally. So this is, this is what's so critically important. Anytime, anytime we begin to encourage certain behaviors in people in order to demonstrate their relationship with Jesus, we're headed down the wrong path every time. And let me, I'm going to talk obviously more about that. But anytime we do that, we're headed down the wrong path. And here's the reason why. Even if our motives are pure, even if we want what's best for the person, that's still true. Think of the rules and regulations that have been added over, really, over the centuries by different religions, Christianity included. We, we could certainly go through a, a, a list, but rather than doing that, because I started to do that, And I thought, you're going to get bored in a hurry. So let's keep it closer to home and more recent. It wasn't long ago, here in the United States, probably here in Butler, Pennsylvania, that you would have heard statements like, uh, believers, Christians, shouldn't go to a movie. Believers shouldn't dance. Believers uh, shouldn't listen to secular music. Christians uh, shouldn't drink. Christians shouldn't play cards. Funny story about that. My wife learned to play cards from Christian Missionary Alliance missionaries. That's a whole different topic. We still laugh about that in my family. But those were the rules that were there. And and it wasn't that long ago. Maybe some of you are still keeping those or still think those are profitable. But here's the thing. They're man-made rules. Those things specifically are man-made rules. And I want to just talk with you about an example because it's maybe the clearest one in Scripture that there's a, there's a clear, uh, clear teaching uh, about, about alcohol, right, in Scripture. What does it say? It says, do not be drunk with wine. Really, it says, do not be drunk, period, at, at all. And so that's very clear teaching. That's a biblical rule. That's not a religious rule. But, but here's what can happen over time. I think it's the why and the how that we can begin to focus on external behaviors, which Paul is saying is of, not, is of no value. So that clear biblical teaching that says do not be drunk with wine can, can, can lead and, and did lead to people saying, okay, if that's true, then l- let's encourage the believers that we know, uh, the, the people that we love, let's, let's encourage them so that 
they don't drink a little bit and a little bit more, and then maybe they find themselves having a habit of that, or maybe they drink a little too much once and they become drunk. Rather than letting that happen, let's, let's just encourage people not to drink at all. And that's, that's perfectly fine, quite frankly. That's, the, that's, that's a good thing to do. Let's encourage them not to do that. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, as I say, it's beneficial because we don't want people to be tempted to fall into sin. But what can happen, and, and, and what does often happen when, when religion gets involved, is that that teaching soon becomes, well, you know, really, it's just better if Christians don't drink. And then very quickly, the teaching becomes, you know, drinking is wrong. I mean, you can see where we're headed, right? Very, very soon, or maybe over a period of time, the teaching really becomes, you know, if you're drinking, you probably don't have a right relationship with Jesus. You see how that can happen? But here's the thing. To say that if you, if you have a drink, you don't have a right relationship with Jesus isn't biblical. It's not found in the Bible. It isn't. There's no hint in Scripture that says if you have a glass of wine, if you have a, 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 a can of beer, if you have a, a glass of champagne at a celebration, that you don't have a right relationship with Jesus. I mean, that command, you could look for it. It's not in there. It's a man-made command, even though it, it had its roots in, in, in a very clear teaching of Scripture that said, don't be drunk with wine. And, and the problem is when we focus then on that external behavior and we try to use it as a measure of where a person is spiritually, we get into all kinds of trouble. We as people trying to keep it and, and we as the church or as the religious organization trying to maintain that. It leads to, to trouble. Here's what's interesting to me. I think, I talked to several of you, not, not as many of you as I would have liked, but I talked to several of you about the fact that over the last few decades, I think that those list of don'ts for Christians is diminishing. It's diminished quite a bit, I think. But here's the other thing that's interesting. I think as that list of don'ts has sort of gotten less and less, there's this list of do's that seems to be developing. And so rather than telling people what not to do, we really encourage them what they should be doing. And, and the reason for that, once again, is this pull to measure our relationship with Jesus by our externals. This pull is very strong, but it's also very wrong. And that's why Paul is writing to the Colossians what he's writing to them. He's saying, don't get caught up in that. You see, we as a church can send the wrong message sometimes. I can send the wrong message as a pastor. I can send the wrong message as your friend just because I want what's best for you. I can begin to suggest things to you to do that are good things to do, but if we're not careful, if we begin to focus simply on those externals, again, we can get to a bad place very quickly. So let me give you some examples of things that you might have heard me say or others say in other churches that are not bad things, but they can become uh, the wrong indicators. We can be looking in the wrong place. H here are some things. You should have devotions every day. You should read your Bible. Really, you should read the Bible through every year or two. You, you, should, uh, you should pray with your wife every day. You should have your children in children's ministry. You should have your teenagers in our youth ministry every week. You, you should attend church every week. You should serve in the community. You should serve here at, at Community Alliance Church. Those are, those are good things. You should do those. 
But here's the problem. How can anyone do all those things all the time? When we begin to measure our relationship with Jesus based on how we do those things, Paul makes really clear we're looking in the wrong place. We're measuring using the wrong standard. He says over and over again, our relationship with Jesus is not dependent on our ability to do any of those things. It's very clear. It's very clear. So here, here's the thing. The outward behaviors in our life do not prove inward change. They do not prove that I have a right relationship with Jesus in my life. The outward behaviors in, in our life do not produce that inward change, that relationship with Jesus. External things can never, ever do that. Listen, inward change does result in some outward change. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But it doesn't work this way. Paul is very, very clear. Paul's main message is, we cannot judge our relationship with Jesus, our spiritual maturity, based on the stuff we do. And if we can't judge our own relationship with Jesus, we certainly can't judge other people's relationship with Jesus based on those things. Here's what he says, really. We cannot hope to gain a right relationship with God through our behaviors. How does that happen? It happens by faith in Jesus alone. To be honest with you, I hope a little bit that you're tired of hearing that. Because you've been hearing it for weeks after weeks after weeks, right? Because Paul keeps saying it to the Colossians over and over again. And yet, they're in danger. They're in danger of, of really believing that they need to act in a certain way, that they need to do certain things in order to have a right relationship with Jesus. And you and I can fall into the same pattern. I know that because I have fallen into that pattern in my life and I've talked to several of you who have as well at different times in your life. We can fall into this pattern very easily. Here's the problem, one of the problems with externals, by looking at externals, when we look at external behavior, it's really easy to compare ourselves with other people because we can see what they're doing and we can see what we're doing. But when we do that, that comparison often leads to one of two outcomes. So the first one is that it can lead to spiritual pride. We can look at ourselves and compare ourselves to others and we can say, well, you know, you really should serve, Christians really should serve in the community, and I, I serve three days a week, sometimes four, and I don't see anybody else doing that. Or we can say, you know, you really should be in church every Sunday, absolutely, and you know, we were here 49 weeks last year. Actually, that would have been hard last year because we weren't open that many times, but right, we can just say, that, that's my measure. And so we can start to feel spiritual pride because of that. We can also, though, begin to compare ourselves to others and see that maybe we don't measure up, and, and that can lead to discouragement. We can say, you know, I know I should be in a small group, but my, my job makes that hard, and I travel some, and I, you know, I, guess, I guess I just I don't measure up. I know I should give more to the church, but you know, my job, I've been cut back a little, and we've got this growing family, and these expenses keep coming. I guess I just don't give enough. Or we can look at, again, another couple specifically if we're married and we say, you know, Frank and Rebecca, Frank's my made-up employee, by the way. I can never hire a guy named Frank because I always call, I always say Frank. But Frank and Rebecca, you know, they're, they, I mean, they have a date night like once a month. And my spouse and I, we haven't been out in a year and a half. And we can begin to be discouraged by this comparison. The truth is, though, neither one of those things is beneficial Neither, neither spiritual pride nor discouragement leads to spiritual growth. 
Here's the other thing that can happen when we focus on externals. We can get so focused on them that we kind of forget to pursue a relationship with Jesus. And so what that can look like in my life is, you know, it's, it's late and I need to, have a, I need to read scripture because I haven't done it today. And so I read and, and I check off the box, you know, 62 days in a row I've read the Bible. But I didn't really have enough time to even know what it meant. But I got it done. Or it's that whole church thing again. I, I, I kind of yelled at my kids and I got my spouse in the car and here we are and we got here late but we were here and then we got to leave early. But, you know, I can check the box. It says 16 weeks in a row now. If that's the case, then what have I gained by being here? If we start to check boxes, it can leave us really quite empty inside and with very little intimacy in our relationship with Jesus. We have to be very, very careful about that. Paul really says to the Colossians, Jesus Christ has died on the cross to set you free. So why would you put yourself back in bondage and, 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 and force yourself to try to live by checking off boxes, by doing certain things? Because Jesus has set you free from that. He makes that very, very clear. Let me point out a couple of things real quickly, and then I'll close. Remember that list of things that, that, that I listed. Uh, pray with your spouse and go to church every week and read your Bible every day. Those are great things. They're beneficial. They're good. But here's the problem. When we measure, again, there's that word, our spiritual maturity based on how well we do these activities, we're just not going to get an accurate picture. That's the truth. So hearing that, somebody might say, well, then what's the point? I, I, won't, have to, I won't try to do anything. What, 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 what's the matter? I'll become a Christian and just keep living the way I was living. But here's the problem with that is it's not biblical. This is actually what Paul would say to that. As we change on the inside, based on the sanctifying work of Jesus in our lives, our behaviors do begin to change. Right? Remember that, remember that uh, slide we had up a couple weeks ago. It talked about sanctification. It was a line that kind of went up and down. But there was progress. There was progress there. You will see some change. But the, the order is really important. These outward behaviors don't cause uh, our inward relationship with Jesus to be right. But as our inward relationship with Jesus is right, our behaviors do begin to change. That's the order. It's very important. It's very critical. And so we can sum that up by, by this. It is incorrect. This is an incorrect statement. Outward behaviors will lead to being right spiritually. That's incorrect. This is what's correct, though. Inward changes brought about by Jesus in us will lead to different behaviors. It will happen, but it's got to be that order. Always, always, always. And so really what, what Paul is saying throughout all this is Jesus is greater than religion. Religion that adds stuff. That's the religion I'm talking about. We have all we need to know in Scripture. There's a lot of rules in there that we, we, we need to follow. Jesus makes that clear. Paul the Apostle makes that clear, but we don't have to add to that. Sometimes we do it ourselves. We don't need a church or a religion to help us, right? Paul is saying, you have freedom. Live in that freedom. So here's the question. We're all, a couple of questions I hope come to mind. Is there any area in your life this morning where you're looking and you're focused on outward behaviors? Is there any area in your life where you're, you're comparing yourself 
to others and saying, well, I'm doing a lot better than that guy. Or, well, I'm not doing nearly as well as that person. Here's maybe the, the key question. If you haven't heard anything else that I've said this morning, hear this. Are you trying right now to be more acceptable to God, to Christ? Are you trying to, to, to be pleasing, more pleasing to him by the stuff that you're doing? Paul says, stop doing it. Because we've already told you. He's already said, he, Paul is saying to the Colossians, I've already told you, you can't do it. You can't make yourself acceptable. The great news is, you don't have to. Because Jesus has done that on the cross. So if you're here this morning working hard, checking off boxes, I just want to give you permission to rest. Rest in the work that Christ did on the cross because he loves you. That's Paul's message, the Colossians, and it's his message to us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we do, in fact, have freedom because you want it for us on the cross. I just pray that if there's anyone here that feels like, Lord, they need to earn your love, they need to earn your acceptance, that you would just speak to them through your spirit, through your word, and convince them that you've already done the work necessary. And they cannot and do not have to earn your love, your acceptance. We give you great praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. One more important announcement to share with you before you leave. So I'm going to ask you to, to look at the screen here for just a moment and uh, stick with us for just a couple minutes. Hey, CUC family. I wanted to give you a quick update on our youth department here at Community Alliance Church as well as an update on my personal life. Over the course of the past year, my wife Kylie and I have had some awesome stirrings from God uh, that we are really wanting to follow. And those stirrings really include us being present in the community of downtown Butler. We are actually in the process of moving downtown and we really feel God calling us to open up a nonprofit that is going to reach the neighborhoods in the city of Butler and hopefully help some marginalized people within that community. Through a lot of prayer, and a lot of uh, intentional conversation, we have come to the conclusion that in order for us to best accomplish this call from God, it would be best for me to step down as the youth pastor from Community Alliance Church so that we can spend as much time as we can following God's direction and calling in our life. It has been an absolute privilege to serve in CAC Youth Ministries and be a part of it for the past 18 years. I can remember back to my first youth group when I was in sixth grade, that is clear as day, and uh, it's just been an incredible journey for myself and for all the countless students and leaders that have been a part of this ministry. It has been eye-opening to see God change lives in awesome ways, and I have been, once again, privileged to be a part of that. It's also been a privilege to work on the staff here at CAC. The staff has become family to me. There are leaders and mentors that have been a part of my life ever since I was a kid, and to be able to have grown up with so many of their influences has just really been an honor. I'm so excited to see where Bob leads this team in the future, and I'm so excited to see the community of Butler have the gospel of Jesus Christ shared with them in an awesome way. It's a vision that I believe in, and I'm so excited to where CAC is headed. Kylie and I wanna thank you so much for all your love and support over the years. You have been such a wonderful church family, and we plan to still be here as churchgoers and worship with you on Sunday mornings. We would ask though that you would please pray with us as we enter this new chapter of ministry and pray that the people of the city of Butler would be so receptive to the gospel of Jesus as we share it. God bless.
I just want to say what an honor it has been to be able to serve at the church that I grew up in and what a privilege it's been to serve your students for the past seven years. I've been a part of the youth department, like I said in the video, for, for 18 years since I was 11 years old, and it has just been an awesome, awesome journey. After the service, I'm going to be around. If anyone has questions or wants to talk, I'd be glad to answer any of those questions. But again, just wanted to say thank you. Thanks, Evan. I want to say a couple things. One is uh, this is not goodbye, because as he said, they're sticking around in a couple of ways. Uh, Evan's going to continue to, to be the youth pastor through the end of the school year, and really he's willing to stay on uh, in some capacity even through the summer until we find the right person. So I really appreciate that as we talked about, and it doesn't surprise me, because that's the kind of young man that you are. You want what's best for, for CAC, I know that. We certainly uh, will, will miss Evan and, and Kylie uh, being a part of our team officially, but we also are excited to see them pursue uh, what God has for them. I want to let you know a couple things. So Evan actually made this announcement to uh, the senior high youth group last Sunday. So this isn't new news to them. We sent out a letter to parents. So I know that many of you have known this, but we, he wanted the opportunity to share it with all of you. And so we wanted to give him that opportunity. We will be uh, starting tomorrow, uh, really beginning an active search for a new youth pastor. So as you're praying for Evan and Kylie, would you also pray that God leads the right person uh, to us? We'd really appreciate that. So do take an opportunity to talk to Evan and Kylie this morning or in the coming weeks. As I said, they'll be here. And also don't forget uh, to talk to Doug and Lashana if you have an opportunity. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Appreciate it.